The world is changing rapidly. Empowerment is happening actively. Now is the best point in time to connect, share our unique stories. Through life experiences, we're learning from others and discovering our limitless potential, challenging our beliefs and aligning our action to our values, embracing our emotions and transforming ourselves so we can transform the world. Will we trust the progress? Conceive. Of course. I mean, it goes a long, long way back. Uh, when I was a teenager, I grew up in the mountains of Balochistan. I don't know uh, how much you're familiar with the geography of Pakistan. In the mountains uh, of Balochistan, I, in a small village, my parents uh, were born and raised there. And then when I was about to be born, my father was asked that I should be given into marriage uh, before even my birth. And that's usually possible because the father just has to promise. And then when I come of age, they would be able to give me as a bride. And my father refused. So that led them for their first time to leave everything, the villages and all that, to go to a new place and give us education and give us a new life that they've never experienced. And because of that, somehow my sisters and I got educated. We went to school. But, you know, the tribal life has many things going on. It's not just all the difficult cultures and uh, the the restrictions, but it also has so much beauty that we couldn't even uh, pull us out of, pull ourselves out of it. We were so engrossed in, uh, we were so part of this tribal system. We loved the songs. We loved, loved the culture. I mean, you will see that I wear my tribal dress all the time. That's who I am. So we became, went back and became part of the tribe, but at the same time, keeping our own identities, keeping our education, and somehow living a life between the both worlds. And it was actually interesting to see. I started seeing that in the tribal life where people have nothing at all, in the mountains where we lived in poverty, people had something that they were very proud of, honor. And this is what made them who they are. I mean, they, the way they treated their guests, the way they treated their elderly, and the goodness, the goodness of heart was all about honor. But at the same time, honor was also defined in ways where women would be used as pawns. And this was really strange to see because on one hand, the same people, my uncles and cousins, are welcoming strangers they've never met before and giving them the only food in the house. And at the same time, they're like, to their brother, they're like, you know what, my brother, for you, I'm going to give my daughter away. If you need my daughter for your son, here, take her, you know, he's uh, your son's bride. And these kind of things really just shocked me because how can they be so inhuman at, yet at the same time call it their pride and honor? So growing up, seeing all of that, I actually wasn't ready for something that happened when I was a teenager. The same honor killed my cousin. The way it happened is we were, we were still in the city going to school and on any vacation, we would go back to the village and I would play with my cousins. I, 
we were still so young and I would ask for where they are. And this one time when I went back, I couldn't find one of them. And I was like, okay, where, where is she? You know, usually one of them gets married, they get married really young and nobody was telling me anything. But finally, when I did find out, it was really crazy. She was murdered by my uncle in the name of honor. And this just, I was like, okay. So I've seen women being exchanged. I've seen child brides. I've seen people just giving away their daughters in the name of honor. But here I am seeing that my own cousin was murdered by my father's brother because she dishonored the family. And that that's what started my whole journey. I mean, I, I was studying to be the first doctor in the tribe. My father had invested all of his energy, everything that he had in sending us to good schools. And he, he wasn't rich. Nobody was rich in our family, but he worked three jobs to make sure I go to a school where I can fulfill my dreams of becoming a doctor. But I left everything. I'm like, I'm not going back to school if this is how my family my cousins are treated and that is when I started my journey officially when I was 16 years old I finally convinced my family and set foot to this path of redefining honor that's what I call it I say that honor is not just for men they cannot decide how we we can be used in their honor honor is all of our, us we should have honor I should have honor and everyone should have honor and that's what I've been doing. I launched a nonprofit that's been working in the tribal areas. It's been very successful. Hundreds and thousands of women in both Sindh and Balochistan have been uh, receiving income support, but at the same time, awareness about their rights and how they can stand up to reclaim their honor. So it sounds like you are very passionate about honor. So tell me a little bit more about your initiative to share with others how to reclaim honor of course i mean uh the interesting thing is because we think that honor murders happen we think that women get exchanged for honor and all the bad stuff that happens in the name of honor honor is the enemy here and that's what I actually thought for a majority of my life. I thought that honor and dignity and whatever people use it for is just, you know, something I have to escape and let make other girls and women escape it too. But it wasn't until in 10 years. So I started at 16 and within like, it took me 10 years to really figure out how to fight this crime that has been there for centuries. We did so many initiatives and failed. We did everything from fighting it, from working with the tribes, from like asking for forgiveness from the tribes and getting their women to be, uh, to be part of our programs and things like that. But it didn't hit me until I realized that until I embrace true honor, I will not be able to achieve the success that I want. And when I started realizing that there was nothing more beautiful than this, Matt, like I cannot even describe how we as people have nothing to us, really, whatever we are wearing, whatever we own, none of that really stays when we are gone. When we die, all that stays is our legacy of how kind and honorable we were. And I was like, that's it. 
They've been using that to do anything possible to be good to each other. And in the name of being good to each other, these tribes have actually used women as pawns to be honorable. And somehow if we work with these people and say, and make them understand that women are not the ones that they should be using, they should be using their identities. They should be reclaiming their identities and focusing on how they can be honorable by keeping their culture, their songs and their language in such a globalized world. So now our whole work is actually focused on the tribal communities, tribal areas, the uh, tribal leaders where we teach them how there is, a world is coming where they're actually gonna be facing challenges and preserving who they truly are. And their focus shouldn't be on murdering their girls, but it should be on how they can preserve their identity through honor. So that is, is amazing because you are literally redefining what honor is truly about. And tell me a little bit more about a specific challenge that you were faced with as you were going through your journey. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's so many that it's really hard to put. So let's see. I think the biggest challenge, of course, was starting out of the blue, like as a 16 year old, a girl who was born in the mountains and then raised in the slums and has nothing uh, that she can claim like we didn't have any money we didn't have electricity we didn't have running water we we're living in the slum community and i'm like dad i'm not going to school i'm starting this you know i'm standing up for my people that i had no idea how hard that would be to actually from that word to the day when i finally managed to set foot outside of the house as a girl to challenge the system it, it was the hardest thing ever. Everybody challenged my father. My father then challenged me. I mean, he was like, how dare you? I gave you education. I made my father cry when I told him that I'm not giving you as a bride before your birth. I did everything for you to be who you are. And now you're going to go and mess that up. And because I'm not the only girl, we are, we are actually six sisters. I'm the eldest. He was like, you are going to ruin their life too. And then came my uncles and everybody else who could stop me. But finally, it all worked out. I was like, if I don't do this work, I will die. I'm in this world to do this work. Please let me go. And it sounds like that was a moment in your life that was very difficult. And you were able to really focus on your work. And please share what are you currently most excited about in terms of your work? I love every part of it. Uh, it has grown into so many different faces. You know, the, I learned soon in my journey that a good leader doesn't really stay on the same path. And even though in the beginning, I was very ashamed of it because I did not stay on the same path. My goal was the same. My big picture was the same, but my path changed constantly because if one thing didn't work, I had to try a different method. And so I constantly was strategizing. I was constantly trying new methods. At one point, we launched a nonprofit to work with the young people and the young people worked with us and they were really great. And, you know, they came and they were mobilized. There were hundreds of people, uh, these youth who were like, yes, we want a different society. And soon the whole community's 
backlash, they were like, you are actually brainwashing our young people to go to be un-Islamic. How dare you? So that didn't work. We had to try many, many methods. And eventually, I would say around 2012 and 2013, we have found the true work that has a great impact. And that is the what we do right now and we call it of course redefining honor we go to the village we work with the tribal leaders and we say to them we are here to preserve your culture we are here to work with you to fight globalization and not your women what we are going to do is we're going to train your women in embroidery and all these beautiful things that your culture is made of and in the at the same time we we gather these women and we give them classes for six months on how they can be leaders in their own homes and in their societies. So in one way, we are actually working with them to preserve the culture through embroidery, but at the same time, we are gathering women in a safe environment where they can learn from each other and really, really see who they truly are in the society. So I'm really excited about that. We actually recently grew out to 10 more villages. That's about a thousand women. And we partnered with one of the biggest organizations in Pakistan. So their replication is happening. The new and new villages are being added to our lists. And that just makes me really happy. Uh, at the same time, what I'm really excited about is that I got to tell my story. Um, when I launched my book, I Should Have Honor, I, <laughs> I mean, the second day of launch, the first day I was like, great, this is amazing. Today's the launch day. It gets to be in these bookstores. The second day I woke up and I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I have actually poured my heart into that book. I have told all the secrets, everything that makes me who I am, the challenges that I received and how my parents became the parents, I mean, from villages, my mother was married at nine years of age. My father was 13 when they were married. From the villages, how they evolved to be the parents they are today is pretty remarkable. So their stories in there, but I'm proud of that. And that's been growing a lot. The third thing that I'm also really excited about, of course, this is crazy, Matt. We, I love to keep busy. So my husband and I have a social enterprise in the United States called The Chai Spot. It's, uh, it's a cafe that brings people in an environment of friendship and peace building. It's actually decorated in the most beautiful Pakistani way. So when you step into this cafe, you have to take off your shoes. You have to leave your fear, your discrimination and everything at the door and enter with all your heart open to everything you find. And they get to read the stories of women. They get to experience the true Pakistan without the crimes of honor, of course. The true and essence of honor and hospitality. And it's been very successful. We have a location in Manhattan. We have a location in Sedona. And it's amazing to see that grow.